You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday. Honestly, I had no idea what day it is or what time it is or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Um, we're going to try to make up for yesterday's show this weekend if we can, if we have stuff to talk about. I am just, I'm real low energy. I don't know about y'all. I am real low energy. And I know a couple other people out there that are feeling that that same way. Like they feel kind of sick or just like can't wake up or whatever. It's you know, feel like they're in a quasi coma. That's how I felt yesterday. Like I just not with it. That's how I feel today. Just not with it. Um, anyway, so uh, a couple things that we're going to get to. Uh, number one is uh, some. Uh, I saw the FanDuel's Heisman odds. Let's see if I can pull them up. I was I forgot to pull it up, actually. Uh, Heisman odds and J.J. McCarthy just not getting the kind of love that you think he probably should, right? Like, it's it's kind of absurd. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if I can pull this up as I had hoped, but we'll see. Um, it's He's behind pretty much every player you would expect. But also like behind behind players that you wouldn't expect. So I, I do have it up here. So we'll get to that. We'll see where we go um, from there. There's there's some other things. Um, Michigan State continues to kind of implode. I do probably want to talk about that. I say probably because I don't know how I feel when we get there, and so on and so forth. So, uh, FanDuel partner of ours and they're similar to some of those other uh, sites out there that have been circulating so here is their 2023 Heisman Trophy winner odds Caleb Williams leads the pack at uh, plus 500 that's expected he won the Heisman Trophy last year he's going to be in a pass happy system again Uh, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington Uh, you know people have been calling him a Heisman favorite uh, he's plus 1,200. He's tied with Bo Nix at Oregon. Both of those make sense. Jordan Travis at Florida State is uh, also part of that. 12 plus 1,200. Again, that uh, that tracks with me. At the plus 1,500 mark, you have uh, Jaden Daniels, LSU, Drake May at uh, North Carolina, Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. Um, all were really good pass th- uh, throwers last year. So, okay. Plus 200. You've got Carson Beck, Quinn Ewers. Uh, Quinn Ewers makes sense to me, really. But then Kyle McCord. He's not even hasn't even been named the starter at Ohio State. It's gonna be his first year as the starter. I understand. You got it. He's got some really good weapons. Uh, at plus two thousand. At plus twenty five hundred, you've got three more guys. Cade Klubnick at Clemson. That one to me, makes all the sense in the world. But then you've got Joe Milton, former Michigan quarterback at Tennessee, and Drew Aller, again, getting his first opportunity to start at Penn State. And then all the way down at plus 3,000, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, and Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver at uh, Ohio State. 
to me, if I'm both Blake Corb and JJ McCarthy, I am I'm throwing hands. Right? Because like Blake Corbin probably would have won it last year had he not gotten injured. If let's say he didn't get injured and he had not even quite the same production that Donovan Edwards had against Ohio State. Right? Let's say let's say he, he had like 120 yards. That was like that, you know, that would have been and Michigan won the game the way they did. Went into the Big Ten championship and same deal. Blake Horn would have won the Heisman Trophy. He would have he would have been the Heisman winner. But JJ McCarthy, who at least has a year of starting under his belt, has shown that he can be a high level quarterback, is somehow less than two in conference quarterbacks who have never started. Kyle McCord's at least started a game, I believe, or played. I don't know if he started the game. I think he. I think it was. I'm thinking of week three in 2021 when I think it it was C.J. Stroud came in for a series and then Comicord finished it or something like that. And I could understand J.J. McCarthy being behind Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, like that makes sense to me. But him being behind some of these other guys just doesn't make sense. I think like if if he was behind Caleb Williams, Michael Penix. Drake May, and I'll even say Quinn Ewers. I'd be I'd be all right with that, but behind other guys who haven't done anything, that's just playing off of brand recognition of the college that they're at, and saying, "Well, you know, Ohio State had C.J. Stroud, and before that, they had Justin Fields, and before they had that." All right, well, let's let's base it off of the merits of the actual guy, right? Drew Aller, former five-star. I understand why he's getting some some love there, but I, what, when was the last time Penn State had a Heisman finalist quarterback? It's been a while, right? So, I don't know. Now, with that said, it is incumbent upon Michigan if J.J. McCarthy is going to be in that conversation that Michigan does a little bit more to throw the football, right? Because that is kind of part of the issue. And perhaps that's why. But then if that's the case, then Blake Corum should be up there. Now, in fairness to Blake Corum, he's the highest rated running back out there, right? So that makes some sense, at least, saying, okay, it's a quarterback award. We're going to make Blake Corum the highest rated uh, guy that's out there uh, that's uh, at the running back position. Okay, fair. But for JJ, who in pretty much every top 10 quarterback thing that I've seen this year, has been the seventh best, pretty much. How many do they have ahead of him? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I mean, being the third, the the fourteenth best quarterback in the country certainly can mean something, especially if you have the best running back. And Michigan should have a really good defense, but it's still, it just does not make a heck of a lot of sense to me, really. Um. Michigan is also fourth in national championship odds. Uh, I agree with Georgia and Alabama being ahead of them, but Ohio State is number two. And uh, I understand they have a lot of talent. I, again, I would, and LSU is right behind, uh, and USC are right behind Michigan. Clemson is behind their eighth, right? So I would give a lot more credence to a school like Clemson that's, also has high-end talent and has shown us to be able to get things done. 
So it's just a weird thing, these futures, these prognostications and what have you. Uh, but uh, I, I just don't get it personally. All right. Uh, let's move on. I want to get into that that kind of discussion that I was just saying about J.J. McCarthy and Michigan needing to open things up a little bit more. Uh, I was on the, uh, the Voice of College Football, Mark Rogers, and his Michigan show earlier, and uh, that, that got me my warm-up for this show, <laughs> basically. Sometimes we, we do that. If I'm feeling like, uh, I, I go and do something else first that I don't feel like I need to make, you know, if I'm a guest that's fine. I, I would prefer this be the higher level thing. Not that this is high level. Today it's not. But we're going to get into uh, what I was talking about there, about Michigan needing to utilize more of the pass game. And one way that it could really pay added dividends that maybe some inside Sean Beckler Hall aren't thinking about. And then I think we'll get into the recruiting aspect with Shemmy Schembechler coming back to Michigan. Uh, so if you're looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You have got to try this. Uh, I had two built bars yesterday of the cookie dough chunk puffs. And if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just a thing for you. Built bars and built puffs. Built bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. You've got to try it. And, you know, I'll, I'll probably have two more as a meal replacement tonight like i did yesterday what makes built bars so good well for starters they cover 100 real dark chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros what's even better is that they are healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club while you can still get your specialty flavors at built.com that's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. All right, you're going to continue getting the zombified version of me for about 15 more minutes. That's how I feel. I just feel like a zombie. Don't know what it is. Just and I, again, I don't know how y'all are out there feeling. I know multiple people who are similarly feeling to today, yesterday. It's bizarre. Um. Anyhow. Uh. So, what Michigan needs to do, really, and this isn't just for this year. It really is for. I mean, they de- need to do it this year for the future. We went over last week about the former national champions and how they've all passed for like 3,500 yards at least on the season and so on and so forth. And how that's crucial for the ability to win a national championship, which is clearly what Michigan wants to do this year. And I know they want to do it every year, but it's certainly on the table. It's not a pipe dream that it could happen this year. Uh, But... If you want to be able to lure the listen, they've got Jaden Davis coming in. And certainly there's a debate between of how good Jaden Davis is, can be, all of that stuff. Didn't get the Elite 11 invite, as had been hoped for after the regional. Aaron Nolan from Ohio State did get it at the same regional. 
Um, so certainly there's going to be those two will be inextricably tied for a while about who's going to be good, better, kind of like you would. I I would think that's probably what the J.J. McCarthy, Kyle McCord argument's going to be like as well once Kyle McCord actually gets that opportunity. But if you got a guy like Bryce Underwood sitting in your backyard, literally 10 minutes away, you got to be able to bring a guy like him in. If you, in order to do that, you cannot have your five-star quarterback that you currently have just basically chilling, handing the ball off. He's got to be able to go out there and make some plays, especially because we already know he's capable of doing exactly that. Now, there are a lot of you who are probably watching this and saying, well, when you have Blake Corum and you have Donovan Edwards, you need to utilize those guys as well. Well, yes, you do. The benefit, weirdly, and I'm not saying to become pass first, I'm just saying pass more. Mark Rogers brought up an interesting point on the show earlier, on the show I was on before this, that Michigan was 114th in the country out of 133 teams in uh, passes attempted per game. So, in order to, uh, to be able to run the football well while being a pass-happy offense is to be that pass-happy offense. I know that sounds very counterintuitive because usually uh, teams are one or the other, you would think, but that is not necessarily the case. So um, I do want to take a quick look. Now, Michigan was fifth in the country last year in running the football in uh, yards per game, but Georgia was 19th in the country in yards per game. Uh, so the national champions who were, uh, let me take a step back, as far as passing offense, was 15th in the country at passing the ball, was also really good at running the football. Who would have thought in 2021? Uh, I believe Georgia was somewhere up here as well. We're finding this out together as I think, <laughs> as I think about it. They, they might not be quite as high as I, as I would have thought. Uh, at least I'm not seeing them straight away. Uh, 36th at running the football. 191 yards a game. In 2020, Alabama won the national championship. They were certainly very pass happy. And uh, they were 47th. So a little bit not further down, but I mean, not by much. 183 yards per game running the football in 2020. 2019, LSU. They certainly are going to be not quite as high because they were really pass happy, but they were still above middle of the pack, 60th in the country, uh, 166.8. Alabama 2018, uh, also 42nd, 198.4 yards per game. So you see what I'm getting at. I've talked about the importance of being able to throw the football uh, in order to win a national championship. That doesn't mean you're necessarily sacrificing a lot when it comes to running the football. And when you have an offense like Michigan's, that you have a lot of different playmakers, and you have not only two enigmatic running backs, but you have a quarterback who can run the football, you're just basically setting it up where you make your offense literally indefensible because you can show pass and run, and you can show run and pass. And, you, and teams can load up to stop one or the other. I mean, we've seen it happen even for Michigan. 
You look at this last year's Ohio State game. Michigan was only able to run the ball effectively, really, after Ohio State said, we're going to stop the run at all costs. And then Michigan said, okay, well, we are going to do like they said they were capable of doing and pass it over your heads. They do that. And then suddenly they're like, oh, we have to be a little bit more balanced in the defense. And then suddenly Michigan's able to run the football. It, it, it really sets it up so it doesn't really matter what a defense tries to do to stop you. They can't. But Michigan needs to get in the mindset. And I'm sure that they are. I'm not acting like that. that like that's not one of the things that they're doing. But they need to be in the mindset in 2023 of we definitely need to throw the football more. Teams that throw the football tend to win, win a lot more bigger games uh, in today's college football. And Michigan certainly is zigging while a lot of other teams are zagging. Georgia certainly did that. But then you look at what Georgia did this year and they threw the football. If you want to be able to go out there and continue this lineage of high, high-end quarterbacks, which I highly recommend, not just because that's a good way to win football games, but because Bryce Underwood, that would be a massive perception win for Michigan, even if he is 10 miles away, to be able to go and get the number one kid in the country, the number one quarterback in the country. That most important position happens to be just down the road. You got to get him into Ann Arbor. And if Michigan wants to do that, it needs to be able to show that it can do that. Otherwise, there's going to be another school that sits there and says, yeah, you can go there and hand the ball off, or you can come here and win a national championship and throw the ball and become like a top-rated draft pick. Michigan needs to be able to add to its arsenal of being able to show that it can do more with the quarterback position than what it has shown. Now, I think that last year was probably in part by design. J.J. McCarthy, it was his first year starting. I think that the, the training wheels fully come off this year and we see him really take that next step. But it's, uh, I, I, it's just, it needs to be reiterated that Michigan needs to do that. All right, let's continue on. I want to just speak for a couple moments about that whole recruiting part because Shemmy Schembechler is coming home. And I think that that is uh, worth uh, discussing for at least a few moments here. So we'll do that here in just a moment. All right, son of Bo Schembechler is back on staff, or Schembechler is on staff. There's a Schembechler in Schembechler Hall. Shemmy Schembechler coming aboard as an assistant director of recruiting uh, in Ann Arbor. And I know some people probably just look at that on his face and say, okay, great, a Schembechler, of course. But you have to keep in mind what Shemmy Schembechler has been uh, over the last... 20 some years. He's been a high level NFL scout. He was with the Washington program for 10 years. He's been with Oakland or Las Vegas uh, for a uh, quite some time as well. And that pays its own dividends. And this is exactly the way that a place like Michigan should enhance its recruiting department. Because the, the thing is, a place like Michigan, it, it has its challenges when it comes to recruiting that maybe some other schools might not have. Uh, the academic aspect, not everyone's going to get into it. And even when you, you get into it, not everyone's going to uh, appreciate the load. I, I had my own issues with the academic side of Michigan, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't also trying to play a sport with hours that were basically full-time. 
so it, it can be a lot to, to manage, right? So that's one aspect. So Michigan really also needs someone, especially being a cold weather state, it's, it, it, they need someone to, to be able to espouse all of the things that Michigan can provide. Remember, Jim Harbaugh is out there saying transformational, not transactional. And who's better to be able to tell you about the advantages of the University of Michigan than someone with the last name Schembechler, right? Who has also spent the last couple decades of his career in the NFL being a scout. Uh, because now you, you can, you, you know, even though he's not necessarily a guy that's going to be front facing, I'm sure he will be on campus and things of that nature. A coach can go into your home and say, listen, we found you because Shemi Schembechler saw you. And he said that with the, with this tweak and this tweak that we can provide you as a staff, you could be this level of the NFL here. Here's the track record. Yeah, and then you look at what Jim Harbaugh and what he's been able to do and all of these position groups that he's been able to put. He's put literally every position group into the NFL draft. It's just a, a smarter way, in a way, to building out the recruiting department. And it, it just is an added bonus that he's a Schembechler in the sense of uh, it's it, it kind of goes in line with, with bringing in Mike Hart, someone who was in demand at, as a coach as it was coming back to Michigan makes sense because he knows what Michigan can do for you. And it's the same thing with Shemmy Schembechler. And if you want to be able to get a Bryce Underwood, it helps to have guys that were in the NFL who also understand Michigan, uh, who can be a part of the recruiting team to do exactly that. I like what Michigan is really doing in terms of rec- the building out the recruiting department. And that includes the coaches. One of the things that's way different than what it was back when Jim Harbaugh arrived, you looked at uh, Greg Jackson, uh, the safeties coach, uh, Mike Zordich, the cornerbacks coach. Uh, and then you even go down, you know, throughout the years, the, the Greg Fries of the world and, and Pep Hamilton, not necessarily avid recruiters. Don Brown, not an avid recruiter. I mean, Michigan for a time had Don Brown and Pep Hamilton, the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, and those, and as well as Tim Drevno. None of those guys were avid recruiters. Now you look at the staff and say every single one of those coaches can recruit. Every single one of them. Clinkscale, really doing a great job. Jay Harbaugh was been one of the ace recruiters since he arrived. Chris Partridge was an ace recruiter when you know, when he arrived and continues to be one. Mike Elston, we keep on hearing about uh, how people are really responding to Mike Elston, how play, uh, high school recruits are responding to him. Um, the offensive side of the ball, Newsom's done a really good job. Sharon Moore has been an ace recruiter uh, and was really instrumental uh, along with Chris Partridge in bringing in Daxton Hill. Um, for instance, you know, he's able to go out there and get guys that maybe uh, were, weren't. Uh, Mike Hart has been really stepping it up, right? We Taylor Tatum uh, seems like he's still got Michigan in his top group, despite Mike Hart having gotten Jordan Marshall, right? That That's working out really well so far. Ron Bellamy, ace recruiter. And uh, Kirk Campbell is seemingly making headway with Bryce Underwood. This is where suddenly things look a bit different. Every single guy on the staff, on the on-field staff can recruit. That used to not be the case. It was when Jim Harbaugh arrived, it was like two or three guys could recruit. The rest were all uh, more so coaches. 
now you've got the best of both worlds. And bringing in a guy like Shemmy Schembechler only enhances that, uh, just more so in the behind-the-scenes role. Identifying as well, is, is that's a key component. Michigan's been really good at identifying. From Hassan Haskins's, Josh Metellus's, the Luke Schoonmakers of the world, getting a guy that knows what it takes to play football at the high level that that's a big part of the game, especially even when uh, other schools might be able to celebrate having all these stars. Michigan has been able to do more with less. Now Michigan's trying to do more with more. We'll see how that works out. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back with the mailbag on Thursday. I put the question out a couple hours ago on Twitter. Get your questions in. And uh, I wish I would have closed the other curtain because I'm in the, I'm in the, the blind light if you're watching. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. Peace.